Would you stand with us? Why don't we pray as we begin? Well, Lord, we just look to you this morning, to the author and perfecter of our faith. God, we just pray that you would meet us in this space as we've gathered here to worship you this morning, that you would just dwell in each heart, that you would comfort every soul, that you would heal every body in need of healing. And Lord, that you would rescue, redeem, and restore. Would you lead us beside those still waters again today? We all stand just on equal footing in need of a savior today. So we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid in this chaotic world, God. We can be at peace in your presence this morning. So we walk without fear, Lord. We look to you this morning for everything that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Cause you care for the birds of the air. And you number the hairs on my head like a shepherd. You protect me through the night, never often. Adopted as your child, you proved your love on the cross. All things gained, I counted as lost. None can fathom the costly ransom that you paid with the power and glory on display on that resurrection day. I won't be afraid. 
my God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquer the grave. Jesus conquer the grave. Yes, Lord, you conquered all. A love that's never failed. Let mercy fall on me, and everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a savior.
in you, Lord. You have done so many things and continue to do so many things, and we're so grateful. We're grateful, God, that you're a good father, that you are reliable, that your, your love for us is unconditional. You are faithful. You're kind and good, God. Thank you that you have healthy expectations for us. Thank, thank you that you call us your sons and your daughters. You, you've adopted us into your family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray that you would just bless every father gathered today and God, thank you for the work of fathers in our families, in our culture, in our church. Thank you, God, for the way that they faithfully lead their families, Lord. And thank you for the role of fathers within the church, within the family, Lord. You've given us profound opportunity and profound responsibility and then you give us the grace to do what you ask us to do and you strengthen us for the good work ahead Lord we're so thankful Lord so God we honor dads today I thank you for my dad God, I pray that you'd bless each dad and for those who have lost their fathers Lord we just pray for comforting peace upon each person today for those who have a difficult relationship with their fathers, Lord, that you would minister. God, where there needs to be grace extended and forgiveness extended, Lord, where there needs to be reconciliation, we pray that that would happen also, Lord God, that you would work to bring reconciliation and restored relationship, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you're always at work and uh, it's never too late. Available to do the good work that is needed in our lives, bringing reconciliation and hope and joy and peace. And Lord, as we've gathered for church today, we, we thank you, Lord, that we've had the opportunity to sing and uh, that we're praying and that we've got the opportunity to open up the word and, and that we're going to laugh some today, Lord. There's just a lot going on, Lord. We're just so thankful, Lord. And uh, so as we have gathered this Father's Day, be glorified as we've saying as we've been singing lord as we open up your word be glorified we pray in jesus name jesus name amen you can be seated you can be seated happy father's day how many dads are in the room how many dads are in the room raise your hand how many dads four or five there's got to be more than one right, right real real there we go there we go good 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 thanks for all you guys do thank you for being dads in this cr critical culture that we live in thanks for being good dads we have Typically, I open, um, open my sermon with some kind of a joke, and 
I say some kind of a joke because sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not so funny. But today, we have, we have dad jokes for you. So let's go ahead and uh, roll the video here. Pay attention. Uh, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be funny. So let's, see what, so let's, let's find out here. Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. What, what do you call a fake noodle? Couldn't tell you. Nope. An impasta. Impasta. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Gotta say that with that Boston accent. Impasta. impasta. <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, do I enjoy making courthouse puns? Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> If you ever get cold, just stand in a corner. They're usually 90 degrees. <laughs> wow. What did the drummer call his twin daughters? And a one, and a two. <laughs> Did you hear about the kidnapping at school? It's fine. He woke up. <laughs> oh that one could have gotten dark fast. Yeah, that was a... Uh, um, I ordered a chicken and an egg online. I'll let you know. What came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, which one comes in first? You know? I'll let you I know. Ordered <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. Good. Yeah, that wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't. That didn't hit as hard. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that no one came a little late. Average. Which average, one though? An average joke. I don't know. <laughs> I once wrote a song about a tortilla, but it's more of a rap. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Why can't you ever run through a campsite? You can only ran. It's always past tense. Uh, Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? No. Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> uh, dad jokes number one. What do sprinters eat before a race? Nada? Nothing. They fast. <laughs> all right. I thought about going on an all almond diet, but that's just nuts. <laughs> Why are balloons so expensive? Inflation. Inflation. <laughs> What does a noisy pepper do? It gets jalapeno business. <laughs> <laughs> the older crowd, they're like, yeah, they're like, what, what did you say? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling to make hens meat. Spring is here. 
that the joke? Uh, <laughs> 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 I might... Can't do it. Come. <laughs> uh, I got so excited I wet my pants. <laughs> Spring is here. I got so excited I wet my pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. You're American when you go into a bathroom and when you come out, but what are you while you're in the bathroom? <laughs> you're being. You're being. <laughs> <laughs> so that's enough jokes to last the rest of the year. So um, I have got to get a job. <laughs> this is my job. This is, isn't this great? Isn't this great? <laughs> uh, we should pray after that. Lord, as we, no. Yeah, as we get into the word, Lord, your will be done. Speak to us. Thank you so much for the ability to laugh. Laughter is good medicine. Uh, as we get into 1 Timothy chapter 6 today, as we wrap up 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, I just pray that you would speak to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. How is everyone? Good, good, good. Hey, we've just a quick update on 102. We're going to refer to our new worship center as 102 until we actually get in there maybe. But our new worship center building at 102 West Branch is coming along. And uh, what I failed to do last week is show this, these pictures, both services. So um, let's go ahead and throw the pictures up so everybody can see what. So that's the uh, exterior of 102. It's just a minute's walk, not even a minute. It's on the sidewalk here. It's about 45 seconds walk. And... Um, and that's kind of what it's going to look like, uh, except for that we're changing the exterior colors, uh, but we took off those canopies over those other windows, and uh, the exterior color is going to be basically white with black trim, and uh, it's going to really, really look good. So uh, Dan Hennessy put these pictures together for us. Let's look at the next shot here. This is the inside. This is what it's going to look like. And so far, we've got uh, the, stage, uh, the stage being worked on, the, the uh, sound booth framed the couple one partition wall framed we're making progress a few weeks we're gonna have air conditioning done we've got uh, plans for plumbing electrical all kinds of stuff going on there so just want to thank dan for putting that together so many people have uh, already been a part of the project beginning with our work day you guys remember the work day where we had like 40 or 50 show up to do the demo we took out i think eight dump tra trailers full of stuff on that day that was about three weeks ago or so and then this last week, we took out two more dump trailers full of junk out of that place. There's just so much stuff, but uh, so many people have been involved. Jerry Shaw has uh, helped with design as well for the, uh, for the building inside and out, been very helpful. Um, MW Architects, uh, Wayne and Derek, um, they're donating a lot of their time and a lot of their effort to get our, our plans drawn. We've got plans that are just about completed, just about ready to be submitted to the city. And then the city will be uh, taking about two weeks to get our building permits. But in the meantime, they said you can keep working and just leave things open so that uh, we can inspect everything. So Dave Bedford's been in there framing up everything. And uh, yeah, uh, Perry's been doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, 
my brother Larry's been uh, working on painting for us. He did the painting on the parsonage up the, up the driveway just this last week. Um, Jim Owens in charge of the electrical work. He's been doing that. Aaron Luters is in charge of the technical side of things. Uh, we've got a guy, Sean Diebel, who comes around to do cleanup anytime that we need him to do cleanup. And uh, it's just been, it's been really, really good to see just the body of Christ come together. And, uh, and so I sent out a letter this week just to kind of let everybody know kind of where we are. So if you didn't get a letter, get, make sure you get your email to, uh, addressed to us through a communication card. You can do that online or through paper communication cards, and we will get that uh, letter to you. Just say, this, give us your email address, and then say, hey, I'd, I'd like to have the letter that Pastor Steve sent out, so then we'll get that letter to you. So anyway, that's the update. We're hoping to be in sometime fall-ish. My wife said, don't give a hard date, and I know that's wise. But uh, So I'm going to say fall-ish, September, October, hopefully around there we'll be in there. Um, step up. I, I know, we're... Jeremy thinks we'll be in, I think, September 19th. So he's, he's the man of faith in our staff. So we're going to say September 19th. Let's hold Jeremy to that, all right? September 19th. So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6 this week. Sermon titled, Guard What God Has Entrusted to You. This is actually what Paul told Timothy in this letter as he wraps up these six chapters. Paul told Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. So that is the title of our message today. That's what we're going to be challenged with today, to literally guard what God has entrusted to us. So what does that mean? If you're in Christ, then God has given you a new beginning. He's given you new life and purpose and understanding and hope. All of these new things are yours in Christ Jesus, but they've got to be held on to, guarded, protected. He's given us grace, love, kindness, and mercy. And these things we, we need to, in our culture especially, and down throughout history, not just our culture, not just the Western culture in the 21st century, but down throughout history. People, I mean, beginning in the first century here, where people were challenged to guard this incredible gift, this incredible revelation, this incredible truth that God has given to us. And uh, so these amazing gifts that God has given, they, they need to be guarded. Otherwise, <clears throat> we, we can tend to forget what God has done for us. Maybe we've been in the faith for many decades and we can continue, we can, you know, forget. We can kind of forget what God has done. We can forget the mercy that he has given to us, the grace that was so desperately needed. And we can forget that he just loves us every day that he's kind to us every day. He's merciful to us every single day. So we need to guard our perspective about those things and then guard our faith around those things. They need to be guarded. Guard what God has entrusted to you. How do we do this? Number one, and we're gonna pull these seven points right from the text this morning. The first point, um, and we talked a little, about, a little bit about this last week, but don't let money distract you. Number one, don't let money distract you. Guarding what God has entrusted to you, the, a lot of the pitfalls around, around faith is money. It's, it's, it's finance. And so number one, uh, Paul's very clear to Timothy about money, and he's basically saying, hey, don't let money distract you, Timothy. And as you lead others, challenge them not to let money distract them. So again, we covered these first few verses last week, but for the sake of context, we're going to read them again. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Yet true, uh, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, 
and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. I find contentment to be one of the biggest gifts, the greatest gifts that God gives us the capacity to walk in. When we figure out how to be content with whatever it is that God has given to us, there's just a great deal of joy that follows that. Um, We eliminate the striving, we eliminate the anxiety, we eliminate the, uh, the, the temptation to overwork, and to try to make more and get more, there's something that happens in our souls, in our lives, and I think it happens, there's a, there's a resting in our minds, there's a resting in our hearts, there's a resting in our lives, and we, by God's grace, make the decision to be content. Lord, help us to be content. I think we live in a culture where we're always going after more, we're always trying to get more, trying to move forward, and, and there's something to be said for just resting in the Lord. Last week, we said we must honor God with our ability to be content. Taking things a step further this week, I I believe this verse is telling us that great wealth, real wealth, is defined by godliness and contentment. Meaning we can have everything in the world, all the stuff in the world, and still be feeling empty. Real wealth in the kingdom of God and in the world is godliness with contentment. Uh, If we try to stuff anything else in that hole called godliness and contentment, if we try to stuff anything else in that, it's gonna leave us lacking and leave us wanting more. It's not a bad thing to have some resources, but it's how we think about those resources that can get us into trouble. So It's okay to have some resources. I encourage you to have some resources, but how we think about those resources will will kind of direct the course of our life. Sometimes we think, a little bit more and I will be okay. If I just have a little bit more, I will be okay. Or sometimes we have this perspective that says, I'm secure because I have enough. Um, Our security can never be in the stuff that we have as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our security needs to be in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. If our focus is on resource, then we have a fear around losing those resources. And that fear around resources, about keeping those resources, keeps us from being generous. We want to hold on to it because after all, we've worked so hard to acquire and accumulate resource, now we have to be careful and we're fearful about losing them. And so we, we fail to be generous when the Lord asks us to be generous. Fear around resources makes those resources a person's God, right? Proverbs 23, there's no slide for this, but Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Isn't that good wisdom? In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Off the top of my head, I can think of two people, two friends of mine who have lost great deal, a great deal of resource in their life. One guy, um, through a bad investment, through one bad investment, lost his whole life savings, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. In one bad move in an, with an investment, he lost 
everything that he had acquired, and he had acquired quite a bit at that stage in his life. He was only in his 40s, but he had lost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But because he chose not to be, not to, you know, be worn out by that, I mean, it was hard and it was difficult and that sort of thing, but he, the guy turned his eyes on the Lord and said, okay, God, where do we go from here? How do we move forward from here? And over the last 20 years, he's been able to rebuild. And, and in my perspective, my, I've known this guy for decades, probably four decades. And in my perspective, this guy is more grounded and more godly and has a better perspective on wealth than he's ever had. Because when you lose it all and have to rebuild, it reestablishes, hopefully, a, your, your faith in God and his ability to, to sustain you. It changes your perspective about those things because you know how quickly wealth can disappear. Um, it just changes everything about your perspective. Another guy, a friend, friend of mine, lost literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, upwards of a million dollars in one bad business transaction. So the first guy lost his money to a bad investment. The second guy lost his money in a bad business deal. And uh, like the first guy, the second guy chose to just focus on the Lord and just believe that God was going to, is going to take care of him, and that's exactly what happened. It's interesting when bad things happen to good people because at times bad things happen to good people. What we do with that experience tells something about us. These two men decided not to give up on God, not to give up on, on their dreams and ambitions, but to just move forward with a different perspective. And they, they both have grown tremendously in their ability to trust the Lord through their experiences. They both recovered just fine because their confidence was in Christ. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. People long to be rich uh, fall into all kinds of traps. Workaholism is a temptation for people in the Western culture. Uh, if we just work a little bit more, a little bit harder, if I work on the Sabbath, if I work on Sunday, if I just work, keep working, then I will be able to acquire what I need to acquire. So workaholism is one temptation when people long for wealth. Uh, materialism is, a, is, is the result of workaholism and, and the desire to be rich. We live in a culture where workaholism and materialism is rampant, and so we just have to fight against it. We just have to fight against it. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So not money itself, but the love of money, right? The love of money. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The, the God of mammon, the God of money is a harsh taskmaster. If we're Living our lives for money, for mammon, the Bible says you can't serve God and money, you can't serve God and mammon. If we're living our lives for money, doing everything we can to acquire money, we're gonna realize eventually that mammon, money is a harsh taskmaster with very little reward. And it doesn't, doesn't last. And it doesn't bring any kind of real peace or joy. People have a lot, they're fearful they're gonna lose it. When they have little, 
They're fearful, fearful they're not gonna have enough. But when God is the focus, when we do what the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto us. When we trust God and believe him, we can relax and just trust that God's got our best interest in mind. So guard what God has entrusted to you, number one. Don't let money distract you. Number two, remember who you are. In a crazy world that we live in, it's, it's easy to forget who we are. Who are you? Paul told Timothy, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. How many of us would say, I'm a woman of God, I'm a man of God? How many would identify them, themselves that way, right? right? We, can, we can say, I'm a man of God, I'm a woman of God, but are we really living, believing that that's our identity? I, I, living like Paul told Timothy to live, live like, live this way because you, Timothy, are a man of God. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we are men and women of God. That means if we're in Christ, our sins have been forgiven, we've been adopted into his family, we actually belong to the living God. So we need to remember who we are and also remember whose we are. If you're in Christ, you're a man or woman of God. You belong to God. Remember who you are and then live out of that identity. It's easier to say on Sunday morning, hey, I'm a man of God, I'm a woman of God. But to live out of that identity and allow that identity to dictate how you live your life, that's a wholly different, wholly, uh, totally different scenario and, and story. We need to allow the, our identity as men and women of God to shape our life and our decisions. So Paul was reminding Timothy of his identity so that he would avoid the pitfalls of life. If we are, if we are identifying ourselves as people of the world, then we're gonna live like people of the world. But if we identify ourselves as people of God, then we're gonna live like God would direct us to live. So Allow that identity as a man or woman of God to shape your life and decisions. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm not a man of God, or I'm not a woman of God, maybe two, one of two things needs to happen. Number one, uh, maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you haven't had your sins forgiven. Maybe you haven't been adopted into the family of God. If, if you want to be considered a man or a woman of God, if you want to be God's kid, God's child, then just simply invite the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and say, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want that to be my identity. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. Or maybe you're saved, but you're just not identifying. You're not thinking of yourself in the right terms, in the right context. You're not thinking, I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. And so that actually changes the way that I speak. It changes the way that I think. It changes the way that I make decisions and the way that I live my life. Why? Because I'm, it's not an arrogant thing to say I'm a man of God. You're just stating the obvious. If you are in Christ, then you are a man. You are a woman of God. So don't think that that's an arrogant statement. You're just saying, hey, it's like, saying, uh, it's like me saying, hey, I'm... I'm, the, I'm the, the son of my father. I mean, it's just stating the obvious. So I'm my dad's kid. You know, I'm stating the obvious. So if you're in Christ, you're just stating the obvious. It's not an arrogant thing, and it never should be an arrogant thing because we're saved by grace, because he's good, not because we're good. Paul was reminding Timothy of his, of his identity so that he would avoid the pitfalls of this life, greediness and worldly things, so that he might pursue righteousness. What does it mean to pursue Righteousness. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Number three, run from evil by pursuing righteousness. Run from evil by pursuing righteousness. Righteousness is simply things that are right 
in God's sight. Things that are right according to the word of God and things that are right according to the spirit of God. And God never contradicts himself. So if we open up the word of God and live our lives according to the word of God, then we're pursuing righteousness because those things that we're pursuing are right in God's sight. I wonder if in our lives we're pursuing the wrong things and we don't even realize that we're pursuing the wrong things because we haven't opened up the word and allowed the word of God, the Bible, to shape our perspective. Verse 11 continues, so run from all these evil things, Timothy. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So righteousness is a pursuit. It's something that we have to be intentional about. Uh, We don't just wake up and pursue righteousness. We wake up with the wrong perspective some days and we're grumpy or we've had a bad dream or whatever. We have to set our mind, fix our thoughts on the right stuff and begin to pursue righteousness out of the gate every morning. So run from all these evil things. How many know that we have to run? Paul said, flee youthful lust. Uh, we, we have, we're in a culture that's bombarding us with temptations. You know, the world, the flesh, and the devil is bombarded with uh, temptation. So we have to run from these evil things, pursuing righteousness. So we have a responsibility and action to take. Pursue righteousness in a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Um, remember 1 Timothy 1, 19 through 20, there's no slide for this, but it says, as we back up in 1 Timothy 1, it says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And then Paul gives a couple examples. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out. Paul said, I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. So from the first century to the 21st century, we have this responsibility to run from evil and pursue righteousness. And it will be like that until Jesus returns. We're gonna have to have this perspective. Maybe you know someone who has shipwrecked their faith. If you just look at the decisions that were made along the way, you can see how it was easy for that person to shipwreck their faith because they weren't pursuing righteousness. They were wrapped up and enveloped in the world. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there now. You feel like, man, I've shipwrecked my faith by my decisions. You know, the good thing about the gospel is that the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can come back into a right relationship with God, a right faith with God, Uh, reestablish our walk with the Lord by simply confessing our sins and the deciding to do these things, deciding to run from evil by pursuing righteousness. What evil do you need to run from? What righteousness do you need to pursue? What area in your life do you need to run from evil and pursue righteousness? Usually it's not your whole life, right? There's a a lot of good going on, but then there's those gnarly things, those dark things in your life that just need to be obliterated. They need to, you need to run from those things by pursuing righteousness. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Number four, fight the good fight of faith. That's what verse 12 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. So fight, it requires 
intentional living, fighting the good fight of faith, like being all in. Imagine showing up for a fight, because you're in a fight whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not. Imagine showing up for a fight unprepared. You're going to get pummeled, man. You're going to get obliterated by, the, by your opponent. And so be prepared for the battle. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood enemies, but against the principalities of darkness. So the enemy, Satan and his minions, are fighting against us. And so we have to realize that we're in this battle, this fight. And so we have to fight the good fight of faith, of the true faith. We have to fight to hold on to our faith, right? If we don't fight to hold on to our faith, it just kind of slips away, right? How do we fight holding on to hold on to our faith? We, we, we fight by thinking about the right things, by choosing the right things, by keeping our eyes on the Lord. If we don't fight the culture and resist the culture, we'll be swept up in the culture. It's just the way it is. Uh, if you don't fight it, we get swept up in it. If we don't fight the flesh, if we don't fight temptation, if we don't fight these things that are trying to draw us away, then we'll get swept away in it. So how do we fight? Well, the simple answer is just do what the Bible says. We're to abide in Christ. We're to be with Christ and have him be in us, so abide in Christ. And, and, and in that relationship, you'll bear much spiritual fruit. So you just simply abide in Christ. So you wake up every morning and you say, God, I'm, I'm all yours today. And throughout the course of the day, you're saying, I'm all yours today, Lord. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Sometimes we go into autopilot, and we're not thinking about God. We're just kind of living our lives, but then circumstances come up where we need God, and we're calling back out to him. Why not just abide in Christ all day long? Number one, abide in Christ. How do we fight? We abide in Christ. Number two, we pray without ceasing. That's what the scripture says. It says pray without ceasing. How do you do that? We well, just... Do it all day long. Lord, I'm feeling tempted right now. I need your help. God, I'm feeling grateful right now. Thank you. God, I'm so happy that uh, I, where I'm at in my season of life. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for the hard work that uh, you've given me to do. Lord, thank you so much. And, and it's just about constantly just turning our attention to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that, 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 that transaction that just went through. Thank you for the ability to think wisely about this business deal that I'm in. Thank you, Lord, that you're that you've made my marriage better, Lord, that you've made my, uh, my relationship with my kids better. Just an attitude of prayerfulness and thankfulness. Pray without ceasing. And then read your Bible daily. Um, just kind of getting back to the basics. How do we fight? You gotta read your Bible. You get up, you get up and you, you feel off throughout the day. You, you, it's, you gotta open up the word of God. I can't, I can't stress that enough to us, we got to open up the Word of God and read two or three chapters of God's Bible, of, of the Word. Don't just read a verse. A verse is good, but if a verse is good, two or three chapters is even better, right? I mean, we will spend hours listening to radio or podcasts or watching television or whatever it is that we will do or reading anything else but the Bible, but we won't spend 20 minutes reading two or three chapters because that's really all it takes. It's not meant to be a heavy thing. It's just a reality check. We, we don't spend enough time reading the Bible. And so we're distracted by all these things because we're not allowing our mind to be shaped by the scripture, by the truth of who God is. If you're feeling discouraged and you take the time to read the Bible with an open mind and an open heart, you will be encouraged, right? If, if you're feeling tempted and you open up the Bible and you, with an open heart and an open mind, read the Bible, the temptation will dissipate. 
If you're in need of any kind and you open up that scripture and just read a couple chapters, two or three chapters with an open mind and open heart, God will give you the answers that you need. He'll restore peace to you, confidence to you, joy to you. You'll walk away saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful, Lord, for your word. Now I know every, more, more than never that I needed your word. And you do that every single day and God will show up for you every single day. Abide in Christ, pray without ceasing, read your Bible daily. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We must leak because Ephesians 5 says that we must be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. What else is the answer? I mean, we leak, right? We're like, we, we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And then number five, stay humble and teachable. That's how you fight. That's how you fight. Abide in Christ. Pray without ceasing. Read your Bible daily. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and stay humble and teachable. Number five, hold tightly to your new life. Verse 12 continues. It says, hold tightly (laughs) to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. How do you hold tightly? All of the things that we just talked about, those five things that we we just talked about, that's that's how you hold tightly. That's how you hold tightly. Remember that God has given you a new life. Hold tightly to that. The temptation is to be excited about it for a moment and then forget about it when trials come or forget about it when a seemingly better offer comes along in the form of a temptation that is meant to destroy your life. Remember that God has given you a new life. Remember you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Hold tightly to your new life in Christ. Make God your priority in every decision. This is how you hold tightly. You, hold, you make God your priority in every decision, and then you re- resist temptation. You keep your eyes on Jesus. These are, this, is, this is how you hold tightly to your new life in Jesus. If you don't hold tightly, you will slip away. Not because the gospel's fragile, but because you're fragile. <laughs> the gospel is powerful, but in our humanness, we are fragile, in our own strength, we are fragile, but in Christ, we can do all things. And so we, in Christ, we hold on and we keep our, our focus on him and we make our decisions all about him and we keep our, our eyes on Jesus. Number six, live so that no one can find fault in you. Verse 13, Paul told Timothy, and I charge you before God. He wasn't saying, hey, Timothy, this is just a good idea, Right? I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now on, from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Remember Jesus before Pontius Pilate? Pontius Pilate could not find anything wrong with Jesus. And so he washed his hands Turn him over to those who wanted to kill him, and, and they killed Jesus. Jesus declared before Pontius Pilate, I am the Messiah. I am the Lord. Jesus was our prime example. He lived a life above reproach. Fully God and fully man, he lived a life beyond reproach, resisting temptation the temptation to be disgruntled with people. He, he would heal people. He would heal 10 lepers and 
nine of the ten would just go away and forget all about him. One would come back. This was, his, this was the deal. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten of you? Why is there only one that came back? But that's what he dealt with constantly. He worked miracles in front of people, and they refused to believe that he was the Messiah. So the temptation was probably to harden his heart toward people, because that's the temptation, to harden our hearts toward people. But Jesus resisted that temptation. He lived above reproach, chose to love people unconditionally, and he gave his life as a ransom for all. So how do you live so that no one can find fault in you? Have a genuine faith. That's where it all begins. It's, it's a faith that is genuine, that is not for show. It is like, this is who I am. Like from the, my toes to the top of my head, inside and out, this is who I am in Jesus. I mean, this needs to be our perspective. Like every part of me, 100% of me is in Christ. A genuine faith will keep you from living above reproach, keeping your, your life above reproach so that no one can find fault in you. And then out of that, you'll have integrity. Have integrity. What does that mean? It means to be honest. Be men and women of integrity. Be, be honest with every transaction and every conversation. Be honest. I uh, was here at the office on Friday, and I was studying, uh, prepping for su- for Sunday for this message. And uh, this guy, this homeless guy, he started, he kept knocking at the door. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have time to talk to this homeless guy right now. I've got a sermon to write, right? And so I ignored him. He knocked the first time, I ignored him. He knocked the second time. I'm like, okay, I'll get up. And I thought to myself, if he asks me. Why I didn't answer the door the first time? I'm just going to be honest with him. I'm going to say, dude, I am busy right now. I don't have time to talk every time that you knock on the door. I love the guy, but I can't stop every time. So I had this wrestling match. I could say, well, I didn't hear, but that would lack integrity. The honest thing is I just didn't have time. So he never asked me why I didn't answer the door the first time because we finally chatted and that sort of thing, but it was all good. We got things handled, but I, I thought, you know, the temptation is to be dishonest. Oh, I, was, I must have been in the bathroom. Or, hey, I must have been outside. Or, hey, I must have been upstairs and I didn't hear you knock. But the truth is, God's worthy of our very best. So why not just be honest about things? Have a genuine faith, not for show. Have integrity, be honest. I remember a number of years ago, we had uh, uh, some taxes done. I've shared this story before. And there was a big, big fat tax mistake uh, made on our taxes. And so the following year, I had to pay an additional $7,000. I'm like, well, I'm the only one who knows about this tax mistake. I could just forget about it. But I'm not the only one who knows about this tax mistake. My God knows about this tax mistake, so I have to be honest about this tax mistake. So I ended up volunteering that information to my CPA, and I paid the additional 7000 bucks. I would rather pay $7,000 and have a clear conscience than hold on to that 7,000 bucks and have a jaded conscience. Ugh, I just don't want, I don't want to think about that 10 years later or 15 years later or five minutes later and have regrets. So be honest, tell the truth, be the same person in every situation. I'm not saying I've got this nailed. I, I don't have this nailed. All you got to do is ask people who are close to me. I am trying to get this nailed. 
And that's all God's asking us to do. He said, just work toward this. Be people of integrity. Be people of integrity. And when you mess up, own it and walk forward with integrity. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Number seven, live anticipating Jesus' return. I think sometimes we're only living for this life. We're only living for this life, for these 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we have, 100 years that we have. We're only living for this life. We can guard effectively what God has entrusted to us by having this anticipation that Jesus will return and then help others do the same. For at just the right time, verse 15 says, at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. This is how it all wraps up. Like, Jesus will return. He is coming back. He alone can never die, speaking of God. And he lives in light so brilliant, speaking of God, that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him nor ever will all honor and power to him forever and ever, amen. One commentator wrote, such a Lord deserves an awesome reverence combined with complete humility. We, the return of Christ for some of us is so far in the back of our minds that we're not even thinking about it. And so it doesn't impact the way that we live our lives. We hold on to our, our faith when we realize that Jesus could return at any moment. He alone I'll read verse 15 again. For just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Assuredly as he came, he will come again. Are we ready for him? Are we living our lives every day so that we're ready no matter what happens? We're ready to, to meet him. Verse 17 says, trust those who are rich or teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't that interesting? He richly gives us all we need for our necessities. Is that what it says? I mean, it's true, but is that all it says? He says he richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't that interesting? I think we think sometimes that God is only going to give me the bare minimum, and I have to be happy with that. Well, we need to learn to be content with the bare minimum, but I, I've watched God over the course of my life richly bless our family and take care of not just our necessities, but our desires. We're going to North Carolina this uh, this summer or in the fall to go to our niece's wedding and so i told jolene i said we're in north carolina that's the east coast i said we've never been to new york we got to go we got to drive the six hours we got to go up to new york and see new york we've never been up there we're going to see niagara falls and you know see we want it's part of the country we've never been to before we've never seen before and um so we were talking about it and i you know she's we're wrestling about how you know talking through how we're going to do it and how we're going to pay for it. I said, don't, God will, God will do it. He, he will do it. I just know he will. I just, there, there's something about just, just trusting, not in a, in a irresponsible way, but when you feel like the Lord's in something, that you would just do it by God's grace. I remember a number of years ago, I wanted to take my whole clan to Hawaii. And um, it was going to be a really expensive trip. But I just knew that it was the right thing to do. My kids were getting older 
that, that one point, we had one grandkid. We had little Levi, so he traveled with us. And um, I just knew it was the right thing to do. So I said, hey, guys, we're going to take you to Hawaii, all of you. We're going to go and spend some time in Hawaii. And so we did that, and um, God provided for the trip. He took care of the trip. Uh, we had amazing sushi in that, remember that restaurant? In the, just amazing sushi. And uh, great experiences uh, together. And uh, the Lord just handled it all through creative financing ways. He just gave us all we needed for that trip. And, and it was one of the best trips our family has ever taken. So we have that, that memory, that experience together. There's just, there's something about trusting God with your whole life. And when he calls you to do something, whether it's whatever ministry related or just to bless your family, we can have confidence that he will give us those things. Now, we don't want to be irresponsible about it and, and just flippantly, but when we sense a peace from the Lord, we go for it. We go for it. Why? Because we walk by faith, we live by faith, we serve God, and he can be trusted. So when we're talking about this new building over here, um, 102, I believe that that's going to be a beautiful worship center for us. Somebody said recently, I don't want to worship in a warehouse because they look at it now and it looks like a warehouse. Trust me, I don't want to worship in a warehouse either. It's going to be beautiful over there. Why? Because I just know that God's going to give us what we need to beautify that place, to make it a place of worship. So when people come in, they're like, wow, God is here. It's beautiful in here and, and, and it's just going to be a, a great place to worship. We're going to be able to get a bunch of people in there that can worship together. It's just going to be really fun. So I'm not... I'm not telling everybody, hey, cut every nickel, watch every dime, be careful, don't spend that. I'm, I'm just not doing that. I'm saying, let's do what is best for, the, for God's house. Let's do it with wisdom, but let's do it with excellence. And then we'll see what God does. I think God is worthy of our very best. And so we're, we're not gonna be chintzy about it. We're gonna put in good equipment. We're gonna put in really nice lighting, really nice flooring, really nice decorations. It's going to be really, really great. All because we believe that God wants to do it that way. We have people come onto our property all the time. They say, man, you guys maintain this place really well. You know why we maintain this place really well? Because it represents who we are in Christ. I don't want people walking onto our property and saying, man, this place is run down, needs paint, needs paving. I don't want that. I don't want that for my house and I don't want it for the church. You wouldn't want it for your own house, all run down and needing, needing to be repaired everywhere. I want this place to reflect the beauty of God, the glory of God. Not overdone, not opulent, but right, right? The, the right balance. And so that's what we're all about. So when we, when we fix up buildings, we do it well. When we support missions works, we do it, we do it well. When we do ministry, by God's grace, we try to do it really well because God's worthy of our very best. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, verse 18 says. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. 
May God's grace be with you all. That's the end of 1 Timothy, and we'll be in 2 Timothy next week. With that, I want to pray. With that, I want to have a stand. With that, I'm going to invite the worship team forward, and we're going to sing some more. And uh, it's my desire that we would give God our very best in our worship, that we would worship in spirit and in truth, and that we would expect the very best from him because he is the giver of the very best. And so, Lord, I pray that we would change, that we would allow the scripture to change our minds about you, Lord. Personally, I have great expectations great expectations because I serve a great God. It would be foolish and ridiculous to have low expectations of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It would just be ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It's not rational, Lord. It's not anything. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a lie of the enemy is what that is. It's a lie of the enemy. So Lord, I pray that you would confront the lies that we've been believing, the fear that we've been feeling, and God, that we would move forward as bold servants of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we'd hold tightly to our faith in Jesus' name. God, that we would do the hard work to hold tightly, to be faithful, to be sincere, to do the right stuff, Lord God, to honor you with our every business decision, with every transaction, with every dollar, with every thought, God, with everything, God, we want to honor you, Lord God, and by doing so, holding tightly, Lord, holding tightly guarding what you have entrusted to us, Lord. We love you, Lord. Make us men and women of faith, men and women of God. Maybe you're here today and you just need to confess an area of fear in your life and and uh, I'm not gonna have you come up to do it. I'll just have you just just give a one or two word answer and then I'll repeat it so everybody everybody can hear it. What, what is an area that you're just saying, God, I, I need to submit this and surrender this to you. What area of fear? We'll just focus on fear. What's your fear? And then just speak it out and we're gonna pray over everybody who's, who's uh, got fear and anxiety around the Lord. Go ahead. Fear of losing a loved one through bad health. Yes, Lord, yes. Fear of the future in general. Yeah. Fear of not having enough. Fear, fear of failing in school. Yeah, real stuff. Mm. Fear, fear that you're not being the man of God that he's called you to be. Yeah, good, good. I was praying this morning and I just... I realized about 10 minutes into my prayer walk that I was praying all of these anxious prayers. And uh, it's like the Holy Spirit just stopped me. He said, why, why are you praying anxious prayers? Anxious prayers are, are 
fear prayers. They're worry prayers. They're, they're, they're not faith prayers. And, and I felt like the Lord, well, the scripture says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And so I just began to pray differently. And uh, maybe that's what the Lord is wanting us to do. Just begin to pray differently. And just say, Lord, thank you that uh, as I work hard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do well in school. Thank you, Lord, as I keep my eyes on you, I'm going to be the man of God that you want me to be. Lord, as I trust you, Lord, I'm going to trust you with the future and with my provision. Lord, as I keep my eyes on you and, and believe you, God, I'm going to believe that um, it's appointed. Every person has a, a certain span of life appointed by you, Lord. And I'm going to trust you that when this person's time is up, it will be right. And you're going to give peace and grace for that season. But I'm also going to trust you, Lord God, that you're a healer and that you have the capacity and the grace to heal. And, and so I'm going to ask you to heal as well, Lord God. God, that you will bless my future. So, Lord, thank you that you've got a plan to bless my future. Thank you, God, that as I turn my eyes on you and do what you've asked me to do, God, I, I don't, I've got nothing to fear. I've got nothing to be anxious about. You're faithful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're the God of the impossible. When we're up against impossible things, God, that's where you shine. And, and so, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord, for relationships and for finances and for spiritual health and mental health and physical health, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. God, build us up in our most holy faith like never before, we pray, Jesus. Build us up, Lord God. Get us focused on you, we pray, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As we sing, we're gonna be singing words of truth and words of praise and words that have the power to transform our thinking. And so let's sing with faithful hearts, believing hearts, excited hearts, Lord. Help us to sing that way, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. As if faith can move the mountains, let the mountains move. We come with expectation, waiting here for you.
Oh 